Good morning. All right, so we're going to be in John 13 starting out. And uh, I had prayed about this message, and all week I've been hearing the same word over and over. But all week I thought, like, that doesn't make sense that I would teach that. And uh, which is what we do. We sit there and we grapple with God when he's telling us what to teach. And then, so last night I sat down to get the word ready. I'm like, Lord, there has to be something different. And he's like, still giving me this word. So this morning I wake up, and as anybody who's ever preached know, you're still praying and saying, God, is you, are you sure? And so he starts giving me all these scriptures to solidify it. So this is the word we're getting today. Uh, the word has been spoken a lot. And uh, so in John 13, verse 31, it says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him him and himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray before we get into this word. So, Father God, I thank you, our Lord. Thank you for for the word you speak. Thank you for loving us so much, Lord. God, I pray that the, this message, Lord, would just come straight from you, Lord, that I would get out of your way. You would speak to our hearts, Lord, and every one of us would receive it and be completely changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I this is a word God's been speaking over to church for a little while, but it's it's been a very uh, very evident in men's group, and then also just in me. He's been speaking a lot of it to me, but it's that end part there in 35. He says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It doesn't say they will know you are my disciples if you love God, right? It doesn't say if you love the lost. It doesn't say anything other than if you love one another. And sometimes I think we look past that. We're really good. We're like, man, we need to love God, and we need to get people saved. And we forget this part. If we love one another. And that is huge. That is something that you can't skip past as a a congregation, a church, a people, uh, Christians. I'm change my notes up a little bit. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13. I know we all have heard this over and over. But it's where we're headed. So it uh I don't know, I just we really want to see souls saved here. We want to love God and you know our mission statement is to know him and make him known. And I believe heartily in that. Like I don't want to play of, of a place that is not ministering to people who's not seeing souls saved. I want to be a part of that. But this is a very, very important step in seeing people get saved. If my whole thought process is, is if you were going to a restaurant and you've heard great things about this restaurant, everybody tells you how great the restaurant is and you go in and the restaurant's all chaotic, it's a mess, the waiters and waitresses are arguing, the cook's throwing food, 
you're going to say like, ah, maybe this ain't what I thought it was, right? And you're going to walk back out. But if you go in and everybody's super nice and they're getting along and they seem like they actually want to be there, that's an inviting place. That's where you want to be. You're like, wow, I really like that place. It just, just walking in, it felt right. Right? It's the same thing with the church. It's the same thing with us. When we go out and we preach the gospel and we talk about how great Jesus is and how he changes lives, and then we, they come in and people are like, man, they just don't, that is a mess. I don't want to be a part of that. They look no different than my family, right? It, uh, and you could say, well, we all are sinners in need of a Savior, and that is true. But we also should look like our Savior, right? We don't stay where we were. So 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak with in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And I like that uh, tongues of men and, the, and of angels. And This means these are people he's speaking to, or he's talking about people who probably have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they're speaking in tongues, right? And it... uh. To which, when somebody tells you that this was uh, that this whole part right here, First Corinthians thirteen, will kind of proves that this is not a language that's died, right? It didn't stop then. It says it will eventually. Didn't say it did. Uh, but it's talking about speaking in tongues. But have not love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. And a lot of times we think that we are good with God because, hey, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can speak in tongues. I'm seeing souls saved. God's using me to reach the people. And he's saying the only way you're good is if you have love. Right? First John 3, we talked about it yesterday, says that if you're not loving the brothers, you do not have confidence that you're going to heaven. If you don't love the brothers. That's in First John 3. And it says it over and over. That tells me it's pretty important to love one another. That's where our confidence comes from. Tongues, initial physical evidence. When somebody speaks in tongues, you can say, hey, Baptizing the Holy Spirit, right? But when people are loving one another, they can say, they now know, man, I'm going to heaven. I'm good with God, right? Tongues don't make us okay. Love does, right? And so we know this word for love in 1 Corinthians 13 means what? It's what word? Agape, right? I learned something yesterday when studying this about this word agape that I never knew. Um, obviously, agape is a complete love, right? It's love that can only come from God. But first John, or if we go to John 3.16, and you don't have to turn there, you all know it. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Right? Same word, agape love. Right? It's a perfect love complete but if you go to john three nineteen, just a few verses down and it says and this is the judgment 
The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You know, that's the same word for love. Still agape love. I didn't even know that. Didn't even know it was possible. Which shows me that we have the ability to give a complete love to something. We're just not got the ability to do it right. Right? Whenever we're in sin, we have a reckless abandon to go in and sin. We don't even think about it when you're a sinner. You you don't feel bad about it. You just go all in. But whenever we get saved, it's not our nature. We have now got this problem that we can't, we don't love like God wants us to love. We have a complete love for sin. We didn't have a complete love for anybody else. I, I never, I never even caught that until I was looking at those words. And uh, so, I just want us to be reminded that you have the capability to love completely with God's help, but we can't say, "Well, I can't do that." Obviously, we can because. Well, Scripture says we can, right? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. This is back to 1 Corinthians 13. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, right? There's a whole list of good things, attributes about love. And if we know anything from 1 John 4, I believe it is, where it says God is love, you can actually interject God's name into there or Jesus' name, right? It says Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant. He is not rude. And when you read all those, you're like, yep, yep, it fits perfect, right? But if we're supposed to be just like Jesus, we should be able to interject our name into that. Right? So if you start reading 1 Corinthians 13 and you start reading, Eddie is patient and kind. I'm like, eh. Eddie does not envy or boast. Eh. Not arrogant. Not rude. Boy, that's a tough one. I'm already striking out. It does, he, is not, he does not insist on his own way. That's a tough one. That right there, I would say, is one of the biggest struggles for Christians. When we want to love one another, it's easier to love somebody when they agree with us. Right? I take it to, let's say, how many of you guys have ever heard, probably every week, I don't go to church because the church hurt me. Right? Every week. They're not going because they insist on their own way. Usually we, hurting people hurt people. And I'm not saying churches don't hurt people. But it's not the church's fault you're not in church, it's yours. If we have to love one another fully, then there's a responsibility on us. Right? There's that responsibility. If I won't go to a place because I don't like the people, that's on me, not them. Right? That becomes my problem. I wasn't called to make sure everybody else is loving me properly. Right? It, it, nowhere in Scripture does it say, hey, you need to make sure wherever you go, people love you and they treat you well. It doesn't say that. It says you are to love. And it says to love one another. So, as we read these, I'm not going to go through them all. 
uh, because I don't know that I bear all things or believe all things or hope all things or endure all things. But we are called to do that. Right? And I want you to understand when it says believe all things, this does not mean like believe all lies. doesn't mean like believe whatever anybody says. It actually means believe what Scripture says. I believe everything that the Scriptures say. I believe what God's telling me. I believe the Word, right? Same thing for hopes all things and endures all things. Now, when he said, when it says Eddie endures all things, Chad endures all things, yet then whenever something tough happens and I stop, or as soon as my relationship with somebody gets a little edgy, I walk away from it, guess what I didn't do? I didn't practice love. I didn't endure all things, right? But my name has to be able to be able to be put into every one of them and never have, never have a flaw. I should have that possibility, right? It says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So it's telling you everything that we have here on this earth that we know in part will be gone, right? The one thing that never goes away is love. It never stops. We should actually be perfecting our love here on earth but when we get in heaven, we're in the completion of it, right? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Hmm. So that tells us, I'm going to go back to the tongues thing. Whenever people tell you that tongues stopped with the apostles, the disciples, this here says it will stop whenever the perfect comes. Perfect hasn't come yet. Perfect doesn't come until we get into heaven. Right? So all these things that they say, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that don't operate anymore, Scripture doesn't say that. Right? I'm not really sure. There's some Scriptures you can take out of context that could could make that sound that way. But this right here tells me it doesn't stop until the perfect comes. And it's easy for me to figure that out. So... Uh, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When we were young, when we were, even before we were saved, but even when we were first saved, it was okay when you didn't have this down, when you weren't living this out, right? It was one of those like, hey, they're still learning. Ten years later, five years later, 20 years later, you shouldn't still be a child. We shouldn't still be acting in childish ways. We should mature. We should be loving better. If We'll never be perfect at it, but we should be trying to love better, right? And we're not good at it. Okay. For now, we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. And this is, you know, right now we're trying to emulate God. We're trying to be like Jesus by what we know of Jesus. We won't be perfect until that day when we see him face to face and we become perfect just like he is perfect because, as we said yesterday, you know, you shine a light in a mirror. The closer you get to the mirror, the more that looks like light, right? But the further away you get, it's just a small reflection. 
Well, once we get right there face to face with Jesus, we'll be a perfect reflection. But right now, we're still trying to do it, right? It may be dim right now, but we should be shining our light. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And uh, there's a lot of ways people have used commentary for this, but I'm going to tell you the way the Lord showed me this. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Um, A couple weeks ago I talked about, you know, Jesus said, my sheep know my name, and I know them, right? And he said, uh, there's going to be those in the end who are these founding, you know, these clanging symbols, and they're just, there's no love in them. And I'm going to tell them, after they did all this great work, I never knew you. Right? And the reason why was love was never in them. And when love is not in us, we'll never be fully known. But if love is here now, and if we only know it in part right now, we're loving people, that love is shared amongst the body of Christ right now, the way we love. If I told you to go out and show God love right now, you would say, how do I do that? And Jesus says, you do it by loving my brothers, right? By loving my people. And once we do that, when we get to heaven, we'll know that full love of God. He'll know us fully. Right now it seems dim and it seems like we're struggling through it and you've got to keep pursuing, you got to keep going and going and going. And one day, I always think like for Jesus, he went through way more than all of us, yet this was never a struggle. It was perfect love because he's perfect love. And if we could have agape love towards sin, it's, it's agape sin is what I think is what it means, not love. But if we could do it that way for sin, we should be able to do it for love. It just takes a lot of practice and denying ourselves. Right? And so I'm going to go back to uh, John 13. And I want to see... In verse 1, we're going to look at where Jesus first started all this talk, right? Because it's not until after he does all these works that he's trying to explain to them, hey guys, this is what love looks like. This is what I'm calling you to do, right? So in John 13, 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour has come to depart out of this world... To the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And uh, loved them unto the end. Not loved them whenever it was convenient, and not loved them as long as they were doing right, and not loved them, you know, for like a short period. It was until the end he loved them. So we should never stop loving. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Right, so here is a man, God of the universe, king of the world, king of all of us, about to die, knows he's about to die, could be out hanging out with all these other people, doing what he wants to do, 
takes off his outer garment, ties on a towel to start serving his brothers and sisters. Denies himself completely, including the one who is not practicing perfect love in Judas. He could have easily said, I'll wash the feet of every one of you, but Judas, you need to leave. He didn't. Actually, he doesn't even address Judas until he's done. He washes his feet before anybody even knows there's an issue. Right? We, oftentimes, are really good at pointing out issues about other people, trying to correct other people, instead of actually serving other people. You know, if, you, if I'm going to try to, say, say I see Jason doing something wrong, you know he's going to listen to me a lot better when he sees me showing love towards him than if I'm just up there trying to fix him. That's how love works. Like, you know, we can say, you know, Jesus had to rebuke people. Jesus had to uh, discipline people. Jesus had to do this or that. You know, it's an act of love. It is an act of love if you're doing it out of love and not just trying to fix somebody and make them your, the way you want them to be. It's only an act of love when it's out of love. And your heart knows if that's true. And those you are speaking to, if they're brothers and sisters in the Lord, they also know if it's true. They know what's real. So, okay. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things in his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Right Now, we're going to see Simon's reaction to this in a minute, but I think we, most of us in here know that the lowest servant in the household was the one who had to wash feet. And I'm pretty sure any time I've ever talked to anybody about doing a foot washing ceremony, every last one of them are like, I hate them. I don't like to wash people's feet, but most importantly, I don't want anybody washing my feet. Right? It's awkward. In this time period, it wasn't awkward to get your feet washed by the lowest servant. But in this time period, you may think, like, I don't want anybody messing with my feet. My feet aren't the best. These feet were really bad. They walk around in sandals. Right? They're walking through dusty roads. There was no paved roads. There were no sidewalks. There was probably camel, camel excrement on there. There was probably horses going to the bathroom. There was probably donkeys going to the bathroom, and they got to walk through all of it. And then you show up to the house, and then that lowest servant would wash your feet. And you're thinking, like, I don't want to be that servant. And this is what Jesus is about to do. He said, I'm going to be the lowest, right? He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, I, if I do not wash you, 
you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, the one who has been bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But it's completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Right? It's not for us to decide if somebody's clean, figure it out if they are. It's for us to serve them. And I will tell you this. One of the reasons why Jesus says that is these guys were already saved. They've already accepted Jesus as their Savior. Right? But it's the things of this world that had to be cleaned off of them. Right? It was the dirt. The nastiness. And we're all saved, but we need each other to help each other stay clean. That's why we're here. We need to help each other, right? And I will tell you something very interesting in this. And a lot of you guys have heard me talk about Acts 4, the end of Acts 4, when it said they had all things in common, right? They were living in fellowship. They were selling off what was what they had to help other people's needs. And it wasn't like, and I go back. It's not socialism. Socialism says you put it all in there and we'll divvy out what each person needs. What the apostles and disciples were doing in Acts 4, they were serving one another. Right? If I saw a need, I helped out if I could. Right? If I had the means. I wasn't giving up all I had. I was helping out with any means I could help out with and they were helping me out. And it says, when Jesus says this, he said, uh, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. The same thing. If we're not serving one another and loving one another, we don't have a share together. Loving one another makes us one together. It makes us common together. It makes us have fellowship together. We're in it together. I always like Chad's uh, version of fellowship because it makes it simpler than trying to explain common life, and it means two fellows in a ship. If one of you stops rowing, the other one has to do it all. If the ship starts getting a leak, you both have to bail it out or you both go down. Right? And you're doing life together in that boat, and you're both responsible for that boat. The same thing with the brothers and the Lord. Brothers and sisters are in a boat together, and we have to do it together. We have to love one another together. We have to, if one goes down, we're all going down. That's the way it should be. It's the old saying, all for one and one for all, right? That's the way we should look. We should love in that way. We should love in such a way that, oh, I don't like that person. Uh, I don't want no part. No, it should be, look, man, they hurt me, and I'm just going to love them through this. I'm, I can help them, right? That should be how we love. And uh, Jesus does that here. Right? Then he says, when, I, when he washed his feet, put on his outer garment, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
A servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. A servant is not greater than the master, and a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I have figured out over the last 14 or 15 years at Wellspring, the most uh, coveted position in a church is presenting a message. The most coveted position, I think. Would you agree, Jason? Pretty close. Usually not the servant part, though. And uh, and that's not to say anything for here, because we actually do now have some great servants in this place. We, we've been blessed uh, with a church that loves to love one another, but we have to get better at it, right? He's saying... If I was willing to do the lowest job, then even though you serve me and you you are a messenger for me, you should be willing to do the lowest job also. Right? I've I've shared it that I believe the greatest job you can ever do in a church is be the janitor. Because at that point you're not doing it for recognition. At that point you're doing it to serve because nobody sees it. And it's nasty. And it's the best way to learn how to become a servant. When you're cleaning toilets, you don't start getting a prideful thought of like, man, everybody's going to think I'm awesome. No, you're like, man, this smells bad. Right? Just like Jesus probably said whenever he was cleaning those feet, was like, whew, Peter, you got some nasty feet. But he still cleaned them, right? He could have, I mean, he was Jesus. He is Jesus. He could have just sat back and been the king of the world. And he didn't tell us that. He didn't say, you know, I'm Jesus, you guys can wash my feet. He didn't say, I'm Jesus, you guys need to do this or that. He said, I'm Jesus, I'm going to wash your feet. That's the example I want you to have. Now you go out and do the same. You go out and love people, your brothers and sisters like they are way more important than you, right? It goes back to love your brother and sister as your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself is what it is. And it's, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, whatever the need, you will do whatever it takes to get it taken care of. Because if it was your need, you would do whatever it takes to get it taken care of, right? So when he says love your neighbor as yourself, he really means love your neighbor as yourself. Not like, eh, you know, give them good advice. He also says, like, you know, whenever you say, I'm going to pray for somebody, yet you have the provisions to provide a need and you don't, there's no love in that. Right? So there's a lot of things we have to start thinking of. Imagine if a church not only washed the feet of the brothers and sisters, but what if a church really looked like the Acts 4 church? where we took care of one another, helped each other out, loved each other in such a way that we were truly all in one accord. Who would want to be a part of that? Look how many thousands of people were lining up just to see and receive what they were doing. If we would just love the brothers and the sisters fully, 
completely, right? says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. And I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one that sends me. And this is what I'm telling you, is he did not serve knowing, like saying, I don't like Judas. Judas is going to be responsible for my death. He served as one serving as the lowest servant, even Judas. You don't have to like your brother and sister, but you have to love them. You have to. It's the way it is. Changes everything. And Tracy, you can come on up. I'm going to close with 1 John 3, 13 and 14, because what well, we read this yesterday, and I really like And uh you ever want to figure out how well you're doing at love, read 1 John, get a kick you in the head and tell you you're not good at it, right? But it's really good. That's what the men have been doing here lately. We've been getting told how bad we are at love. And uh, and we love it. It's been awesome. So 1 John 3.13 says, So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Right? You can have all the faith in the world that Jesus is going to come, and Jesus is who He is, right? And you can hope for heaven and all that, and one day, all that will come, your faith will be complete, your hope will be complete, and you won't need it anymore, because it will be real. But love is something we practice now, and it will last forever. It's never-ending, right? Right? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not abide or does not love abides in death. Sometimes I will say that hate is not the opposite of love. It's the absence of love. And people are like, how do you know that? It's because of this scripture right here. It says, he who does not love abides in death. Right? That's how I know that. We have to love. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So those who are not loving are hating. And there's no life in us. Right? By this we know love, that we lay, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Right? He laid down his life for us. He himself of divinity. God, and said, I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to come down. I'm going to show you how to love one another. He, over, he overthrew Satan. He took care of everything that we worry about all the time, the things that keep us from loving one another. He already took care of it. And he said, I came down. 
laid down his life. And that's not like he died. He did eventually die, but he actually laid down his life, his style of life. He was living the perfect life in heaven. And he laid it down to come serve us. And he's saying, you guys should lay down your life, your, your thoughts, your desires. You know what happens when you lay down your life? You get life abundant. He starts showing you the things that you didn't even know how good they were. We hold on to things that we think are good because we don't actually know what's truly good. But He gives us what's actually truly good. lay down our lives for our brothers. I'm going to pray. I just want to remind you of that very thought that Jesus came and lived for us. Jesus came and died for us. Paid for all sins. He rose from the dead to give us the hope for, for eternal glory with Him. Eternal life. Right? For those who have faith in Him. showed us how to love that kind of love he's not asking you to die for your brothers he's asking you to live for your brothers he's asking you to love your brothers and sisters he already took care of the dying for sins part he already took care of covering our sins and all that he'll take care of the fixing people he's just asking us to take care of the loving people we can do that that's the kind of place I would run into when there's perfect love but Father God I thank you for who you are Jesus thank you for coming down giving up your life to live for us to show us how love should look you are so amazing Lord God I pray that you would help us Help us to love completely. Help us to want to love you the way that we wanted to love everything else in our lives, Lord. All the sins, all the worldly things, God, that we we just gave ourselves to, Lord. Let us let us love you in that way and give ourselves completely to you, Lord. And as we do that, Lord, help us to love our brothers and sisters, Lord. In the same way you did, Lord. God, I don't pray that we do it because then other people will get saved. I pray we do it because you told us to. We're going to worship. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray, but hopefully you just just pray where you are and just ask the Lord to reveal to you how good you are at love. And I promise you, if you're like me, every time I pray that, I realize I'm not very good at it. But it's a good time to change about 
looks when we love our brothers and sisters. And you know, if if Kevin or Pastor Chad or Jason or any of you guys call me up and you say, Eddie, I need help, I would gladly do that. Because I love you guys, right? And we're friends and we're together all the time. But loving the brothers and sisters isn't just loving the people you like, like I said. And the example that came to me just now was uh, last Saturday, Rick Nichols and I were sitting outside of the house over us grilling, and uh, I get a phone call from a lady. She's an older lady. Her husband's 80, and he's battling cancer. And they have this gigantic pine tree that fell down, she says, this huge pine tree. And she said, I, I just don't know what we're going to do. We don't have anybody who can cut it up. And I look over at Rick, and I said, well, I might know a guy, right? Because that's Rick's, Rick's the tree guy. Like, he is good at that. He has the means. And uh, so I get off the phone with her. I presented the situation to Rick. Never meeting these people, Rick said, when do we go? That was his first thought process. It wasn't like, well, how hard is it going to be? Anything else, he said, when do we go? Right? That was his thought process. Now, in his mind, he's thinking that when a woman says, tree, not that big. But he didn't know this lady. This lady's probably under-exaggerating, not over-exaggerating. Right? So, we get there, and it is a big tree. Probably 80 feet or bigger. And he says, Eddie, this is going to take us five hours to cut up. So we better get started. Right? (laughs) Hour and a half later, he had it cut up as I'm hauling it down the hill. And, uh, but that's love. He gave of himself. It's not hard. It wasn't like he had to figure out a way to love those people. The situation presented itself and he stepped right into love. And he made two friends that he'll never forget. Brothers and sisters that he can't wait to see again. And it came from an opportunity to love somebody that couldn't do something themselves. And that's just ways we can do love. And sometimes it ain't even that big. It's just, hey, this person looks down and go encourage them, Right? You know what, I don't even like that person, but I need to go over there to make sure they know I love them. Those kind of things carry a lot of weight. That couple bawled their eyes out that Rick, somebody they didn't even know, would come and show such love to them. People don't expect it anymore. Even other Christians don't expect people to come and serve them. It's a lost thing in our country. We can start doing that. We can change that, right? I'm going to pray and we're going to close and you guys be free to go. So, Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. Lord, I pray, uh, thank you for the example of Rick Nichols, God. I pray you would bless him for that, God. And Lord, he'd be upset for me using him as an example, so let him forgive that also. And Father God, I pray that as we go throughout our week, Lord, we'd be better and better at showing love for one another for our brothers and sisters, Lord, and that it would be so contagious that it would spread like wildfire, Lord, and that other people would see it something different. That must be where God's at. 
But God, change our hearts. Let us never think selfishly, never never to think of our own thoughts and needs, God, in that. Let us just get uncomfortable, God. Lord, help us to love people the way you love them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all. Love you all.